you're listening to i mean can we discuss and i am your host astrid ferguson we will be discussing different issues that can be debated articulated chopped up any kind of way there's no real set way to this it could be culturally it could be socially it could just be how we're feeling today so You're here for the randomness, and I hope you're here to stay. So remember to subscribe, share, and tell me what you think. Hey, 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 welcome to a new episode of I Mean, Can We Discuss? And I am your host, Astra Ferguson. And today I had the opportunity of interviewing Vivian James uh, this episode is a testament to going with the flow and just talking to strangers that you meet on the internet because basically that's how that happened. I uh, was looking at a Gary V um, I guess post online on Instagram and she had commented saying that she was looking for for people to interview for her podcast, The Really Real Talk. A friend of mine actually put my name or tagged me on it or something, and I I thanked my friend for it and liked her post, and she reached out to me, and I kind of just was like, let's just see where this goes. You know, I never really knew her before, and I'm kind of glad that I went with it, right? I didn't think much about it. I didn't overthink. I just went with it and we clicked. I had an episode on her podcast, The Really Real Talk, uh, which is available on Spotify and Apple. Um, And we talked about, you know, getting out of toxic relationships and with me being a life coach. And I kind of tell my journey of how I ended up becoming a life coach and how I decided to start, you know, uh, my writing my books and becoming an author and kind of bringing you full circle to how I embarked on this creative journey. So if you want to listen to that episode, definitely go to the Really Real Talk podcast. I will link it in our in the show notes. And in here, in this interview, we get to know about the host behind the Really Real Talk, Vivian James, and her story, and how modeling wasn't really what she thought it would be, and how she overcame it all, and how she's doing so much better and finding herself in the creative world, and things that you should look out for if you are looking into entering the modeling world. If you're a parent and you want to, you know, uh, if you have children that you want to enter the modeling world, this is a great episode to listen to. So I won't keep you waiting much longer and let's dive right into it, guys. Welcome to a new episode of I Mean, Can We Discuss? And I am your host, Astra Ferguson. And today on the guest chair, I have the special Vivian James. Hi, Vivian. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. 
you know, thanks for having me on yeah. your podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> on the on the tell us about your podcast. I'm not gonna do all the talk. Okay, just tell us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, really, real talk podcast. Uh, I came up with the name because I I actually said that I was like, this is real talk. I was like, this is really real talk, and I was like, oh yeah, this is okay. This is the name. And um, I started it, uh, uh, we're on week 19 now, so I actually started it after a a conference, like a motivational conference, ironically, um, where uh, I was, my friend took me, because I was going through some stuff, and she's like, I'll take you to this conference, and Gary Vee is going to speak there. And the other speakers were definitely very scammy and they were trying to like sell packages and like, oh, if you pay a thousand dollars today, you'll become a millionaire kind of thing. And Gary Vee came out and he just basically gave his knowledge and didn't ask for anything. And he said, you know, do something today, like start something today, like after you leave, do something. And he had mentioned podcasts. So I was like, I I just felt something snap inside of me and I was like, I have to do this right now. So I went home and I started a podcast um, having no idea how I was going to pull it off because I was like, I don't even know how I'm going to record this or how I'm going to make this happen, who's going to be my guest, what I'm actually going to talk about. I just knew that I wanted to talk to other people that are, are going through struggles and um, people that are fighters and inspirational and and just to put something out there that may be of value to someone else so it's turned it kind of started as like um creatives only but then I started interviewing like people uh who are lawyers people who are uh you know in science and in different fields so it, it became less of like uh, interviewing creatives about their journey and more about just interviewing anyone who has a difficult journey and and kind of veered off of whatever path they may have thought they needed to go on or or change you know studied something for x amount of years and then completely dropped it and was like never mind I'm doing this so just people with uh with that are carving their own path basically that's that's what it is um mostly women and then if there's you know i'm i've tried to be uh i tried to include everyone so um if anyone that really has a interesting story to tell but uh mostly women because uh there's enough podcasts run by men so (laughs) yeah that's about it Okay, so tell me about the motivational conference that you went, because it sounded like, you know, maybe you were at a different time in your life, and then something drew you to go there. So tell me about that. So I had a really rough year last year. I completely, uh, much like I much like the podcast is focused on people like shifting gears and like changing their life path. I was heading down a path that I thought I needed to go, which, um, 
I started modeling when I was 22, I want to say, which is pretty late. Um, most models start when they're 15 um, to 16, like quite young. And then by the time you're 22, your career is actually over. And um, I... Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, modeling's pretty brutal like that. Um, it, they try to get you when you're young because you're moldable and you're impressionable. So uh, when you're young, they'll sign you into these contracts that uh, take a lot of money from you, that take advantage of you, and they basically have full control of you and they can tell you where to go, what jobs to take, what to do. And because you're young and you, you know, you think it's, wow, I'm a model, you, you go with it. And most parents don't even really know what's going on. And um, I could talk about this forever because so many horrible things happen to these girls. They get sent to foreign countries where they end up in debt and they can't get back home to their families. And so there's a lot of uh, screwed up things that happen in that industry. But I was already quite uh, quote unquote old to be a model and I had been trying because I honestly didn't really know what else to do. I was always creative. I did theater in high school and I did uh, set building and I did costume and makeup and I did directing and all, all facets, facets of theater. But I always lacked the confidence and I thought, oh, I can never do these things. Um, life kind of beat me down <laughs> and especially my father and, and just I felt like nobody believed in me. So I, I didn't really believe in myself. So people were like, oh, you're tall and skinny. Why don't you go be a model? And I thought, well, people seem to think I can be a model. So I'll try that. And so I started really pushing for that. And um, I started my journey on this thing called Model Mayhem, which was like the MySpace for models. And you could just connect with strangers, basically, and try to start building a portfolio. And I did that for a little bit. And then I finally started meeting people uh, kind of within the industry. And I really started at, at nothing, like ground zero. I didn't know anyone. I had no connections. I mean, my parents are immigrants, so they didn't know anyone. And they had no idea what was going on with me because at that point, there was like so much family uh, trauma going on that I was really left in the in the background and nobody was really paying attention to me at that point. So I, I ended up going down this path of like, I'm going to be in the fashion industry and get my foot in the door. And maybe I'll become a model, maybe I won't, but I'll have a foot in the door and I'll be able to do something else. And so I start really pushing for this modeling thing. And uh, I, I had a, a little bit of success uh, when Instagram was still kind of in its earlier stages. There was this contest for Marc Jacobs and it was called Cast Me Mark and you hashtag your photos. And they would choose a winner to fly to New York and be in their autumn winter uh, 2014 campaign. And something within me was like, this is this is this opportunity is here for me. I just could feel it. And I did end up winning that. So I ended up flying to New York and shooting this huge campaign with like top industry people, like top photographer, top stylist. 
And I thought, this is it. Like, I I've, can't believe I already made it. You know, I'm like, wow, I'm already doing it. And um, I come back and nothing's changed. I come back to LA. Nobody would sign me still. Uh, I was getting turned down by agencies still, despite having this campaign. And I was getting so frustrated. I was like, I don't understand. Like, I just did this huge campaign and like my picture is in magazines and like, why can't I get signed? And um, then I had a billboard go up and it's like a really, really big billboard in, in LA and it was my face. And I was like, my face is on a billboard. Why won't anyone sign me? And it was just so frustrating. I always felt like I was fighting so hard for this thing that just like nobody wanted to give me a chance for. And Finally, I did get signed uh, underneath my billboard. Uh, an agent saw me and she's like, is that you? And she ended up signing me. I had a really terrible feeling about that agency. But uh, <clears throat> my uh, awful ex at the time was like, I can't believe you're going to say no. You've been complaining this whole time that you want to get signed. And now you're going to turn it down. Like, what's wrong with you? And he made me feel really guilty. So I thought, no, he's right. I'm not going to say no. I'm going to sign on to this agency. And my gut feeling was right. My intuition was right. The agency was terrible. They promised me all these things they could not deliver. And they dropped the ball on my career. They didn't allow me to uh, have any control over my career. They wanted me to do jobs I didn't want to do. They wouldn't allow me to go to New York and try to get signed with other agencies. They... Um, told me I needed to change my image because I wasn't brandable. Um, they just were awful. And I was already too old to be impressionable in that way. I mean, I was already like 22, 23. I was like, I'm not changing who I am. Like, even though I was still pretty insecure and didn't really love myself at that point, I always had a sense of like, I'm not changing how I dress and how I look because some random person is telling me to. And um, I kind of was at a loss. And then I started DJing um, because, again, I met some asshole dude <laughs> who was like, you should be a DJ. And I was like, oh, I really love music and I, I'm obsessed with music and it's like a really big part of my life. So I'll try that. And I taught myself how to DJ. Um, I started going to Guitar Center and using their equipment every day and I self-taught how to mix and I was really, really dedicated that, to that. So now I was modeling and DJing, very stereotypical LA thing to say I'm a model and a DJ, but I really was doing it. And um, I started realizing that I was still fighting a lot every step of the way. And I, under, I, I always knew like, oh, it's going to be hard, but it felt extra hard. It felt like everything was going against me and that I just couldn't catch a break. And um, I started realizing it was not necessarily the DJing and the modeling that was the problem. It was the people I was around. And by last year, uh, by the beginning of last year, actually by the end of 2018, so around fall 2018, I started to fall into this kind of like a little bit of depression, a little bit of like crisis, like not knowing what's happening with my life, because I realized 
the people around me suck. And I kind of created that world for myself because I thought these were the people I had to impress. These are the people that I had to get, you know, to like me. And I was trying so hard to like be a part of this scene that I just didn't fit into. And then I started realizing like, that's why it was so hard for me. That's the, all the opposition I was getting was because I was trying to be someone I'm not. And I thought, crap, but I love modeling and I love DJing. And how am I going to be able to do what I love if I don't keep, you know, sucking up to these people? But things started getting really dark. And um, I got involved in this like Hollywood scene, which is like, basically, it's these bar owners, they own a bunch of bars in Hollywood. And they're very sketchy people. And they wanted me to like stay and do drugs and stay and party. And I just would DJ and go straight home because I was about work. But they were about, no, you need to party. You need to have this image. And they stopped really asking me to DJ because they saw I wasn't going along with it. And I started losing work. And then my friend got raped um, by one of the promoters at one of the parties. And that was kind of you know, the last straw is like my friend getting assaulted and and raped and it was just horrible. And she was also a DJ and we both kind of quit the scene at the same time. And thankfully she's doing much better. Um, And she took the time off to heal as well. And I did as well, but I was still very, very lost because my friend had like a music Uh, thing she was doing before and now I was just like well now I have nothing because my modeling career never took off and I thought I was going to DJ but now I'm not even DJing so I fell into this hole of like I'm not making money so first of all I was I was making not a lot of money but I was making enough to take care of myself and all of a sudden I was making I'd say a third of what I was making. And I was all of last year at risk of being homeless, at risk of losing my car, at risk of, you know, the electricity shutting off. I constantly had like negative 500, negative $600 in my account. Like I was struggling and it was really terrifying because I just didn't know where to turn to. So I started seeking all these external sources of motivation because I just thought I don't I don't know what to do like I want to do these things but I know now I can't be around these people and I have to disconnect from these people because they're no good for me so I have to find my own path and that's when I discovered Gary V actually and he really preaches like you know going on your own path and like doing things through the internet and kind of creating your own business through the internet and using these tools that are free. And I was like, well, that sounds about right. And then I also kind of just agreed with a lot of things he was saying because I was raised very Eastern European and all the things he was saying, I, those were like, um, those were things I was raised with as well. So I I really understood where he was coming from and it really spoke to me. And, um, and then that's when my friend, uh, sometime last year, I didn't have money to go to this convention, but I really wanted to go. 
And my friend was like, listen, I'll, I'll pay for your ticket. Let's just go. Cause she could really tell that I was just so lost and she knew I needed some kind of, you know, push. And I was like, Oh, it would just, it would just mean so much to me if I could like see him live. And even though I listen to his podcast and I, every day and I consume his content every day, I was like, I feel like if I saw him in person, some, I, I, it would just change something. And it really did. Um, so yeah, like I said, after that convention, um, after his speech, I went straight home and I Googled how to start a podcast and I started working on it um, because I knew I needed some kind of form of expression. And so by this point, I was like, okay, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to get back into YouTube. Um, I used to do YouTube when I was young, back in 2008. Uh, was when I started YouTube and then I quit YouTube because I thought it was lame and I thought people were going to make fun of me and I started caring about what people would think because I started becoming this like fashion industry person and I was like, oh, I can't be in the fashion industry and have people take me seriously and know that I did YouTube and all this nerdy stuff. So I, I killed these parts of me and so I started rediscovering these old parts of me um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's really long winded, sorry, <laughs> but uh, that's how I ended up, uh, going to this conference. That's how I ended up where I am now, uh, which is a much better place. Um, and just also, uh, it helped me realize that like it, this failure wasn't the end of it all. Like just because I pulled out of these scenes, doesn't mean that like, this is, this is it. Like I failed and I'll never be successful and I'll never be happy and I'll never, it, it was really hard to reach that point. But, but I just realized I was like, okay, there's gotta be another way. There's gotta be another way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, first let me say, I'm sorry that you had to go through all of that. Um, it sounds like it, it was very, you know, triggering, tumultuous, as if, as you would say, going through all of that and dealing with all of that rejection. I mean, I've heard modeling is tough, but I'm not as familiar with the modeling industry. So if I could, you know, if I could just bring you back and, um, you know, for those, those of us, you know, that are parents, like, what are some things that we should look out for if we would like our children to model? So I would highly recommend uh, completely skipping over agencies at this point, um, we live in a world today where you you don't need an agency and agencies are dying. The model modeling industry is dying. And I'm so happy about that because when I started, one of the things I wanted was to change, to help change, not like be the sole reason for change, but to help change the face of the industry. You know, you had to look a certain way. You had to be a certain type of person and you had to conduct yourself a certain way. And I, I was like, no, this is me. I want to be me. And now with Instagram, 
with social media, you can create your own modeling career. So my my number one recommendation would to be just completely skip over agencies because I've honestly never heard a single good story about an agency. They always are only looking out for themselves. Um, don't get into any contracts with them unless you know you can you can get out of it. So I unfortunately got into a three-year contract, which is pretty much unheard of. Most modeling contracts are two years maximum. I got into a three-year one with uh, no clause that allowed me to leave, basically. And most modeling contracts, again, that's uh, I got into this really crazy one because most of them have uh, a part that say, if you give us a letter in writing uh, saying you're terminating the contract, you have 30, you know, you have to give them a 30 day notice basically, and you can leave anytime. My contract said, you can't leave the contract until the contract is up. And even then you have to contact them before the, uh, the contract automatically renews. And um, there was no way for me to leave unless this very tricky thing. So it said, if you don't get work for three months, because not because you turned it down and not because you were unwilling to do it, but because we're not able to get you work for three months, you can, you can write a letter to terminate the contract. But see what my agency would do is they would wait three months and then message me towards the end of the three months with some random job that was like ridiculous like it was like some unknown brand some unknown you know weird job that like made me uneasy and they would say hey here's this job opportunity so that's them fulfilling their part of the contract aka i can't say you guys didn't get me work for three months and i can't leave and i saw them doing this so i actually had to uh go to a lawyer and I was so, so lucky that this lawyer just felt sorry for me and he wrote me a letter for free. And he kind of threatened them and was like, you know, it's really obvious what you guys are doing and like wrote this long letter. And then they tried bluffing and they're like, if we find out that Vivian's been working outside of the contract, we'll sue her. And I was like, oh yeah, go ahead and sue me for that thousand dollars I made all year being signed to you guys. Like, go ahead and sue me. You know, it was just like this huge like bluff that they, that they wrote this huge letter. And then um, I ended up getting out of that contract by writing another letter three months later saying I'm terminating my contract because you guys haven't gotten me work in three months. And I got out of that contract. So once you're in the contract, it's really hard to get out. Do not sign any contracts unless you have someone look over it and you for sure know that at any point you can get your children out of it. That, um, cause again, like they do tend to go after younger girls because they know it's easier to fool them. Don't go into any travel um, things where 
you know, they'll say, oh, we're going to send her to New York for a few weeks. Like, don't ever, don't ever allow that to happen. They will not take care of the girls. They don't care about the girls. They care about money. If your child is not making them money, they will forget about your child. They're not going to push for their, the career. They're going to look at who's making them easy money. And that's always going to be their priority. The person that's booking gigs without them having to really put in any effort. So I, I really just highly recommend everyone to, to try to go about it in the new modern way, which is no agency, no, no managers. And just if you're, if your daughter or your son thinks that this is really what they want to do, really encourage them to to try and do it for themselves. And, and if they want to shoot with photographers and things like that, you know, you, you can't find photographers online. Like you can, you can really do your own vetting and, and look at their work and, and message other models. I would always message other models before working with a photographer. I would say, Hey, I see you that you've worked with so-and-so is he cool? Is he chill? Like, was he weird? And the model would say, no, he was awesome. You know, him and his wife are super sweet. Like I've worked with them a ton of times. And so that's how I would navigate working with others and making sure that I didn't get, I, I was very lucky that I never got myself in any situations where I felt, um, you know, un very uncomfortable or like I had, you know, like uh, that I needed to escape from or, um, cause I always made sure like the people I was working with, um, I had people backing it up that those, that person was cool. I always made sure that like someone, you know, someone knew where I was going and, and, like someone knew that that shoot was happening. So there's, there's a lot of precautionary steps that you can take. Um, but yeah, the main one being like, don't even, don't even get involved with someone who says they're going to turn your child into a star. It's, it's lies. They're, they're not going to do that. Um, they don't really care about your, your teenager. They don't really care about your, your child. They, they care about, you know, money. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, thank you for sharing that. Um, I didn't realize that those contracts were so, um, binding. It sounds like essentially they own you. Yes. Yep. Um, yep. And not only that, but they're taking a hefty 20 to 30% from your income. So anytime they do book you a job, they're automatically getting that fee, not to mention all these random fees you start noticing. Oh, well, you have an online, uh, you have a booking fee and you have this online portfolio fee. Like they were charging me like $35 a month for having my photos on their website, which made no sense. I mean, it's their website. Why would I, you know, why would they need to charge me for that? It just made, there's so many nonsensical things. And They'll also do these things called model apartments where they, let's say a girl from Russia comes here and they put her in a model apartment. They charge her a thousand dollars to share a bedroom with like three or four other girls. And the girl has no idea how crazy she's being overcharged. And because you're not giving the money up front, you think, oh, this is all covered but it's not covered. Your flight is not covered. Your, your stay is not covered. It's all coming out of your check 
after you've made the money. Not only that, they hold on to your money. So they say, oh, it takes three, three, uh, 30 to 90 days to get paid. Now, I never saw my money faster than four months. Like, you won't see your money for months, and it's because they hold on to it. They'll say, oh, we haven't been paid, but it's not true because once I started going it alone, I would pretty much get paid on the spot. I would tell whoever I was working for, hey, have a check ready for me that day. Now, some larger companies, let's say like a shoe company like Vans, you know, they have to go through their accounting and whatever. They, they do have to go through a certain process. But even then, you'll probably get paid within a month. Um, but if you have an agent, they'll say, oh, we, we still haven't seen that money and they hold on to your money. And basically, I'm sure they're using your money for other things, you know. So, um, yeah, I didn't even get into that part. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. It, it sounds like a very convoluted world. Um, yeah, again, all I have. All I can say to that is I'm so sorry that that was your experience. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, but you said you loved modeling and DJing. So, what did you love about it? So, I you know, it was interesting. I always tried to do things that scared me. So, I had, I had very low self-confidence when I started modeling. And what I loved about modeling was that it challenged me. I was very shy. I, I did do some theater, but like it took all my might to get on stage and perform in front of, you know, high school kids. And now I was like getting in front of random photographers and, and like, you know, posing and, and learning how to like pose my body and how to look good for the camera. And it was a challenge. So what I really loved about it was that it was a challenge. And then eventually it stopped being a challenge because modeling is one of those things. It's like, you can always, you can always be working on it and you can always be shooting, but there's definitely like a certain limit you hit and you can't really like progress past that point as far as like skill and talent like once you know your angles once you know how to be comfortable in front of the camera that's it there's no really like you know moving up from there and I even got to the point where I was like comfortable being naked like I was comfortable with my own body like to the point where I was like down to shoot nude like nudity and like everything I, I just really went from like super shy to like very outgoing in front of the camera then I started realizing, like, it's not even the modeling aspect that I like. It's, like, this fantasy that I love about it. Like, the, the hair, the makeup, and, like, portraying this character on camera. And I thought, okay, there's, there's something more to this. Like, I want more control over this vision. And last year, I started doing art direction. And 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 I started realizing like, oh, I'm more of like an art director and a creative director, and I want the control over the whole shoot. I want to be able to say, this is what the set looks like, this is the clothes I'm wearing, this is my hair and makeup, and I want to construct my own fantasy. So I did think initially like I loved modeling, 
But then as I grew, I realized it's not really the modeling aspect I like. It's like the construction of the fantasy that I love. And it's even better when it's my fantasy and not some random person saying like, hey, put these clothes on and do this. I'm like, oh, it's way more fun when I think of a concept and I think of idea and it's like all in my hands and I make it happen, you know, seemingly out of nothing. It's like such a great feeling. So that was what um, modeling really turned into for me was like this whole creative art like the whole thing the whole concept and then DJing um I love music and I I used to be like such a music head I really got through a lot of uh trauma by going to a lot of shows and a lot of concerts and a lot of um raves and things like that when I was younger and it was always such a huge part of my life And I started realizing like, oh, you know, I'm growing, I'm outgrowing this scene. Like I can't just keep going to raves and blowing hundreds of dollars and waiting in line. And like, it just, I realized like I'm too old for this now. And DJing was kind of like the one thing keeping me connected to that because I was like, oh, now I'm behind the booth. Now I'm not the person in the crowd. I'm not paying hundreds of dollars. I want to be the person that people are paying hundreds of dollars to to go see, but it wasn't necessarily like a, I want to be, you know, famous or whatever. It was like I want to make people dance. I, it's such a good feeling when you when you do a good mix, when you mix like a song into another song, and you see people's faces go oh, and they like start dancing or singing the song, and just get, I would get chills and goosebumps and. I, I just, it was one of those things that was like really challenging again for me at first, but then as I started getting better and better, it became like this second nature. Like I would get behind the booth and it would come naturally to me and like my ears would just like hear ahead of time, like, oh, these two songs are going to go well together. And I was just so, so passionate about it. So, and I still am. And I, and I would really lo- love to be able to do it again at some point. Um, so for, for, I guess, so the, the modeling thing was more like a personal thing. Like it was for me, so I can create these fantasies. And then the DJing thing was more like to give back to other people because I, I got like goosebumps from seeing other people have a good time because it kind of brought me back to, oh, that's how I used to feel. Like that's, that's what it gave me. Like it gave me a sense of purpose, like going to see these DJs. It, it gave me some escape and I wanted to be able to provide that for other people. So it's like two different reasons that I liked both of those things. Okay. And it makes sense. I mean, they're both creative in their own way. Um, but if I could take you back a moment, you said um, not paying hundreds of dollars. So when you're a model, you have to pay for your shoot or how does that work? So for modeling, you, you don't have to pay. Um, for uh, When I w- was referring to paying hundreds of dollars, it was just um, going to like events and stuff when I was uh, when I was like a partier, when I was going to, you know, uh, 
concerts and things like that. So I spent a lot of money on on doing those things. But th that was just like for personal, you know, entertainment, like going to see a band or going to see a DJ. Um, for modeling, you don't really have any expenses besides your agency expense. Um, but I still had to do all the work. So I, I was setting up my own shoots. I was still, even though it's like against my contract, I was still trying to book gigs on the side for myself. Um, my agency wasn't doing any of that. That's what they're supposed to do, but they don't. They just say they're going to. So I was still having to do all my work while having an agency. Um, thankfully, yeah, I didn't I didn't spend any money on that. Oh, wait, actually, that's a lie. <laughs> I just realized that's a lie because I did. I opened some credit cards and I went to New York a few times. I went to New York and London a few times by myself because I wanted to make it happen. That was my thought. I was like, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to London. I'm going to meet with every agency I can. I'm going to hit up photographers on Instagram, set up my own shoots. So, yeah, now that I think about it, I, I actually did spend quite a few thousand dollars traveling out of my, uh, not pocket, but basically, you know, put myself in a debt because I was trying to follow my dreams. And I thought, okay, maybe maybe someone in New York will see me and, and realize like how much I want this and how hard I've worked for it, but it just never happened. And, and same with going to London. I tried the same thing there. I had some friends in London, so that was a little bit easier for me because I actually like knew people there, but New York was like a completely foreign uh, new place for me. Um, and I had some bad experiences there. Um, I, I, got trapped into another agency situation in New York with a woman who claimed she used to work for an agency. And then it kind of turned out she's like a drug addict and was um, very misleading and was uh, taking advantage of uh, people such as myself who are like very desperate to get their career going. Um, so I, I definitely uh, ran into some uh, more problems and more more terrible experiences um, in regards to like agency stuff. But I, I did, yeah, I spent I'd say at least at least four thousand dollars on um, travel expenses trying to make things happen for myself. Um, so that that money uh, didn't really go anywhere, I guess. <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, it was a learning experience. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I knew that if I didn't try, I would hate myself. Like I knew that if I didn't try everything in my power, like if I didn't go do those things, I would feel like I'm not that I, I don't I would feel like I'm not doing everything in my power. So I really did do everything in my power to try and make this happen. Yes, and, and, you know, that's part of the process. But, Vivian, if I could, um, so when you're modeling, I guess when you're, when you're a child, you were saying they make you pay for these contracts. So when, if you want to have your child modeling, mm. I guess that's something that parents should watch out for, where mm. 
it's not really that they're paying the children. You have to pay for it. Is that right? Yes. So you have to pay for your expenses. Um, you, you do get, let's say you book a job. Your job is uh, it's going to pay you $1,000. Now, out of the $1,000, your agency is going to take their 20% fee. Now, that's just up front. But then every month, your agency sends you a bill that says, by the way, you also flew here, so we're going to charge you for the flight. By the way, you also stayed in that hotel, so we're going to charge you for that hotel. By the way, you also have to pay $40 for your booking fee, $100 for being on the website. So all of a sudden, you made no money. You actually owe them money. So you just did this job thinking, hey, I'm making money, but you end up owing the agency money. They will, they will put so many random fees, so many things that you were unaware of because most people... You know, you do glance over a contract, but you're not like, when you're young, you're not like going to the lawyer and being like, hey, read this over and like tell me everything that's in here. You're just like, oh, looks good. And then you sign it. So um, you don't pay them any money up front. And if an agency asks you to pay money up front, then that's an immediate no. That's like an immediate don't even go there. Um, they should never ask you to pay money to be signed or pay money up front. Those are usually scams. There are probably less of those nowadays, but back when I was starting off, there were definitely a lot of scams where they're like, hey, if you pay us like X amount of dollars, we'll sign you and we'll help you get your career going. That's definitely a scam. But that's not to say that a quote unquote, legitimate agency isn't a scam either. They just do it afterwards, you know, to make it seem like you're making money, but you're actually losing money. Wow. I mean, that's good to know. I mean, there's scammers everywhere. You see everything that happens in like the label industry. You see things that happen even in the publishing industry. I've heard somebody who's paid, I mean, thousands of dollars to publish their book and I'm like girl you could have did that mm. for free <laughs> mm-hmm. yep but yep. you know it always goes back to not knowing like that lack of knowledge not really understanding the industry um, like you said not really thoroughly reading your contract you know things to look out for that sort of thing Yeah. And just like they prey on your desperation. They can tell how badly you want it, Um, especially someone like myself who was like getting older. And and I was like, you know, literally pouring my heart out like I've gone to every agency a thousand times and they've all said no. And then they hear that and they're like, oh, so she's desperate. (laughs) And they're like, cool, let's take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now that you have gone through all of that, who's Vivian James today? You know, what, you know, tell me more about that, you know, where you're at and where do you think you're headed? So thankfully, um, I'm doing much, much better. I 
survived last year without losing my apartment. I survived without losing my car, without losing my mind, <laughs> um, which was a tough feat because I don't know, I don't know how I managed to keep everything, but I fought tooth and nail. I did everything I could. I, I worked a thousand jobs last year to try and hold on to what I have. And, um, I decided last year that I needed a full-time job and I started, Wait, so hold on, so hold on really quick. Where are you residing? I live in West Hollywood, California. Oh yeah. Expensive. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was born here. Um, and I live in my childhood apartment um, I'm very, very lucky because um, we have this thing called rent control here in West Hollywood. And so basically I pay the same amount of rent that my parents paid when they moved in here like 30 years ago. So um, that is the only reason I was able to uh, stay here is because my rent is like, I don't know, like less than a half of what it would be, you know. Um, so that, that, that is the reason I was able to, to stay here and, um, same, my mother is my neighbor and she also lives in a rent controlled apartment. So, um, we, we've been able to survive because of that. Um, I don't even think you can find a one bedroom apartment for the amount we're paying. So, um, I decided I need a full-time job. And I, I was like, all right, I need at least a minimum of $3,000 a month to live, like be able to pay all my bills, be able to pay for, you know, all my food and, and have a little extra. And I also have a lot of debt now because I had to take up a loan last year, like one of those crazy loans that has like every month I'm paying like $300 worth of interest onto this loan right now. It's pretty out of control. And um, I have a couple credit cards that I maxed out while I was struggling. So I have a lot of things to pay back. And I started looking for, for a full-time job um, last year in January. And I only managed to find one a year later um, it took me an entire year to find a, a full-time job with benefits and salary. And I found that job because I was just posting a lot about what was going on on Instagram. And someone who was my manager at a previous job back in like 2014 reached out to me and said that there was a position open at the company she's currently working at. And, um, I was really banking on, on this. I was like, oh man, I, f I felt like this was my last hurrah. I'm like, I've tried so many places. I've worked so many jobs this year. Like I, if, if I don't get this job, like I'm just at a loss and I did end up getting it. Um, so that's been great because it's allowed me to stop living in constant fear of like my electricity being shut off and you know things like that so um that's that's been a huge weight off of my shoulders i still have a long ways to go as far as like catching up with bills and stuff but it's much better 
Um, so my main priority was just that, like the whole year I was like, I am not focusing on anything except being financially stable. Like I don't even need to be making that much money. I just need to not be in constant fear and anxiety. Like I need to reach that point. Otherwise I won't be able to focus on anything else. And I really made that my sole mission. And I think it, it, it was a great idea to do that because I was able to achieve um, this level of like calmness that I have now. And so my plan for now is to really put my all into my podcast because I love doing that and to also work on my creative stuff. Um, I want to set up a little mini photo studio at my house and I want to start creating my own projects. I realized that I can pretty much do it all on my own if I have just a few pieces of equipment. So right now I created a little Amazon list that has like a few um, studio equipment, like a, a backdrop. Um, and you know, like a, a, some lighting, things like that. Nothing too expensive, um, very like budgeted, very minimal. And then my idea is to just execute my visions. I have so many photo shoot ideas and things that pop into my head constantly. And before I would always like try to organize it with a, a photographer and a makeup artist and a stylist and this and that. And it would take so long to execute it because, you know, one, I don't have money to offer them. Two, I didn't have a budget at all. And three, it, you know, everyone's schedule is always like, oh, I'm busy. I have this day off and then that doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for the photographer. So I thought, how can I eliminate all of this and just streamline it and just make it so I only have to rely on myself. So I came up with that idea. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to do a little mini studio in my home and start putting my art out there. So right now my goal is, um, I also, I was doing art direction last year for like music videos and stuff. And that taught me a lot. Like I picked up a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge from that. So I'm going to apply everything I learned last year from that and just apply it to my own art. And hopefully, um, once I catch up with my debt, I will be able to start um, doing photo shoots. And I want to start making like time lapse videos of me like building a set and then, you know, being also the model in, in the photo shoot and, and just creating little mini videos of me doing that and putting that onto maybe TikTok or YouTube or Instagram, whatever, I'll figure it out. So that's my goal right now is to keep working at this job I'm working at, hopefully also move up in the company um, that I'm working for and also um, just create my own art. And, and I realized like, that's all I really want is just to create my own art and I don't really have like a solid plan of like, I want to create my own art and then uh, make, you know, lots of money and have this person see my art and whatever. Like there's no, there's no 
motivation behind it besides just pure passion at this point. And I think that that was like a really important place for me to reach was like to do what I do for a very pure reason, which is that it just makes me happy. Right. And that's what every creative wants. So it sounds like you have somewhat of a plan. Um, You are pretty good with the camera too, I'm assuming, if you're doing the photo shoots and everything. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky to have like this. I, I absorb things like a sponge. Like while I was modeling, I picked up hair tips, makeup tips, styling tips, photography skills. Like I always paid very closely attention to the behind the scenes stuff. Not because I knew that one day I would need it, but just because I've always been interested in learning about that kind of stuff. So I picked up so much from being around it for so long. Now I'm not the best photographer and I'm not the best at any of that. I'm, I feel like my strength lies within like the art stuff, like the building of the set and like making the thing come together. But, um, but I mean, that's, you know, I'm going to do my best with what I'm given and I'm going to use my iPhone and hopefully I'll ha- I still I still know some photographers. So I recently worked with a photographer that came over to my house and we did just just that. We we set up a little studio. We hung up a bed sheet and he brought his camera and I built um, a little set piece and we did a photo shoot. And it was very random. He, someone I've, I've been in contact with on Instagram for a couple years. And he was like, Hey, I'm coming from Canada and I love to shoot you. And so that came together and I'm still open to that kind of stuff happening, but I'm not like banking on someone else to like hit me up anymore. Or I'm not like relying on other people to be free or to have the time or to be able to make it happen. Um, so yeah, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, we'll see how they turn out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I was referring more for people who want to hire you to actually do their photo shoots. Um, there's no reason why you couldn't right. start right away. Right. So I, um, so I actually, I also have like a classic car that I rent out for photo shoots. So that's like another source of income for me. It's not very, it's not very um, like a steady income, but like every now and then someone will rent my car for like a few hundred dollars to do a shoot. And um, recently, actually, I had a mother-daughter um, team oh, what rent. What kind of car you have? I have a, um, it's a 380 SL, it's a 1984 Mercedes, and it's like a convertible top. Um, Yeah, I I always say, back when I was making money, (laughs) (laughs) when I had money, people are always like laughing because they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, back when I had money, you know, that's when I, that's when I acquired some things. And so that's why it was really like tough for me because I did reach a certain point. Like I was making, I was making like amazing money, but I was making a, a, an okay amount of money and I was living 
now I realize like, damn, I was living like pretty crazy compared to how I am now. Like I was eating out and I was able to like go out and do stuff. And I'm like, you know, after, after that, it's, it's like even crazier to all of a sudden lose it all. And cause I thought it was going to be like a steady, like, Oh, it's only going up from here. And it didn't. <laughs> so back when I had money, I was able to acquire this car and I decided, well, I'm not going to lose this car. So I'm going to make money off of it. So I put it up on this website and people can rent it out for productions. And LA is a great place for that kind of stuff because people always need classic cars for TV shows and movie shoots and photo shoots. So, um, yeah, recently I had a mother daughter team rent my car and usually I, I, I drive the car and I, I take them wherever they need to, to do the shoot. I don't allow them to drive the car. I, I just say, Hey, wherever you need me to go, I'll hang out with you guys. I'll, I'll leave you alone. You know, I'm not going to like interfere with your photo shoot. I just want to make sure that the car is fine. So I, I went around the neighborhood with them and they were taking photos and towards the end, they said, hey, can you take some photos of us, like, with the car? I said, sure. And I started taking some photos, and the girl was like, wait, like, these photos are great. Like, what? And, and she starts freaking out. And she's like, are you a photographer? And I was like, no, I just have a lot of practice, like, doing Instagram photos. And my mom and I used to go down into the neighborhood and just take, like, little mini photo shoots all the time. So... I've learned a lot about like lighting and angles and stuff. And she was like, you should do this. Like we should have hired you. And I was like, oh, huh. And then it kind of got my, you know, my wheels turning a little bit. And I was like, oh, this is something I could do. Like this is a service that I could offer, especially in a time like this where it's like, you know, everyone wants Instagram photos and, and things like that. It's like, oh, like I could style people. I could offer my car up I could take the photos I could you know do these other things and create some sort of business out of it so that's been something that's been on my mind too um as far as like being able to do that for other people I always did it for my friends like I loved um having my friends come over and then like taking them out into the neighborhood and taking photos of them for fun um, but, it, but again, I just like never really put it together in my head. Like, oh, this is something that I could actually make money off of and, and do this. Um, so that's, that's something that's definitely like, I'm considering, I'm just still like, so consumed by like, I just want to be straight with money. I just want to be able to afford the equipment. I want to be able to afford this and that before I jump into any other ventures. Like I want to be solid. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, and you deserve it all. So you also said you're not from here or your parents are, you know, you're an immigrant. Yeah. So where are you originally from? So my family is from Budapest, Hungary. Um, and my grandmother on my father's side was the first to immigrate. And my mother followed suit. She left behind her family and everything without a word. She didn't tell her parents. She 
followed my father to this foreign country and just up and left everything. And um, uh, my father was not the best. Um, he passed away in 2017. And, um, and honestly, <laughs> it's okay. I always say it's okay because <laughs> we're honestly much better off without him, which sounds very harsh, but um, he did make my my mother's life and my life uh, very extremely difficult. And, um, and even after he pretty much ruined my mother um, and my mother had to go back to Hungary and it was just like this whole, we have this whole family trauma thing that I can't even like go into because it's so much, but um, we're, we're much better now and we're, we're free. We feel free. We feel happy. We feel light. Um, we're good because we don't have like this terror over us. Um, but he was not the best and he was just not a hardworking person at all. He did the bare minimum. He was very lazy, unmotivated. He believed my mom should carry the burden of most things, um, and he was very entitled and selfish and just thought that he deserved, um, you know, money and, and the world without having to do any work. So he was a very terrible example growing up because I actually don't even know where I got my strong work ethic, considering that my father was very lazy. Um, so it was hard because usually immigrants are, are uh, the stereotype of an immigrant is like they're very hardworking and they want to move up and they want the best for their family and they want to provide for the next generation but I didn't have that my father actually wanted to tear me down and he he told me he didn't believe in me and he didn't want me to go to school because he thought I'd be a failure and I'd never be able to pay it back and so he really hindered my progress as a person and um, I, I think, um, like I didn't get that like immigrant hustle mentality. Yeah. From, from my parents. I mean, my mother is a very hard worker, but because my father was very controlling, he didn't allow her to have a job and he didn't allow her to, you know, cause they don't want you to have your own income because then you can leave. <laughs> so he wanted to control that aspect of her as well. Um, so they, they came from, from Budapest, Hungary, and didn't really build any foundation for me to continue off of. Um, and so that's been interesting as well because my mom has also had to kind of start over and she she moved back to the states a few years ago and she started working at subway um this is like the first time she's ever had like a job job before she would just like take care of like old people or work for some hungarian person like cleaning their house or something so this was my first this was my mom's first time like going into like the the workforce and she's worked her way up 
Um, and she's such a hard worker and she, she now works for uh, Sweet Green and they love her there and she does very well there. Um, I mean, still a part-time job, but she's, you know, slowly moving towards like a full-time kind of thing. So that's been really crazy too, like watching this like 50-year-old woman basically start from ground zero, start from scratch and um, tried to build her life up. So it's almost like she re-immigrated, you know? Um, so yeah, my, my family is mostly still in Hungary as well. Um, I do have my father's side of the family. Um, my grandmother is here, but I've recently just um, cut off contact with her as well. So right now here, all I really have is my mom um, as far as like who I keep in contact with and who I love dearly. Um, and then um, I do have some amazing family in Hungary. And um, last Christmas was the first time we all got to spend Christmas together. We, My mom and I flew to Hungary and we had like a very beautiful magical family reunion which has just honestly I don't think I've ever had a Christmas like that ever um so it was, it was really nice and so my mom and I are like healing building our family back up and reconnecting with our um Hungarian family and just like creating our own family basically Okay. And it's, I mean, it's very inspiring to hear your mother, even at her age, decide to start over because it's never too late for anyone to change their lives around. Yes. Yeah. And even for you, you know, finally, you know, getting out here and deciding that, you know, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what makes me happy and still holding on to your independency. So I definitely applaud you for that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've been going on for a little while. Why don't you tell us all where we can find you and maybe even if we can support you in any way, you know, just plug away, give us, give us all the goods. All right. <laughs> so recently I uh, rebranded my Instagram. I removed all my modeling and my DJ and I erased. Well, I didn't erase it. I archived it because I still want it for myself. But I rebranded my Instagram to be solely focused on the podcast. So it's really real talk podcast is my Instagram handle. Um, I only use it um, to promote the podcast, to reach out to people, to be on the podcast. Um, it, has a, it has a moderate size following, but it's a following that I got from when I was still doing my other stuff. So it's been really interesting, like transitioning that from like a personal, like very narcissistic type of page to like a page that's solely dedicated to like other people. So that's been an interesting transition. I created a TikTok account, which is my personal account. So if you have a TikTok, you can find me at Vivian 
Vivian H. James. So it's V-I-V-I-E-N-H James. That's my handle there. That's kind of like a combination of my daily life and me sometimes making a funny little rant. Sometimes it's just the outfit I'm wearing that day. Sometimes it's the food I'm eating that day. Sometimes it's my cats. So it's like more of like a little personal journey there. And then the podcast is on Spotify and iTunes. Um, And then once I start doing my art stuff, I think that's going to be going on TikTok because I've just had a, a, a good time on there and it's very free and, and it's just fun for me to be on there. So I think um, if I do, well, I will, I, when I start making like my little art videos and my photo shoots and stuff, that's all going to be going on there. So yeah, that's um, the best way to support is the podcast. There's also clips on YouTube, uh, Really Real Talk podcast on YouTube as well. Um, Yeah, I'm really trying to uh, push the podcast because I want to build a community of people that can reach out to each other, um, that can listen in and just feel like, oh, I'm not alone. I can get through this hardship and hearing different perspectives, people from different backgrounds. Um, If there is one person that you've heard of that survived that situation, that means that you can too. Oh, that's a beautiful message. And that's a great way to end today's episode. So Thank you, you guys, so much for listening. And thank you, Vivian, for sharing your heartfelt story. Um, I'm just glad to hear that you and your family are doing so much better. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm sorry. I feel like I talked so much. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, it's, it's your interview. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. So until next time, guys, ciao. Bye. And that was a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening to, I mean, can we discuss? Don't forget to subscribe, follow us if you want to see what we're up to, what projects we're up to, and enjoy the rest of your day, night, wherever you might be. I was your host, Asher Ferguson, signing off.